a gun in the face. Then all of a sudden, they all kind of lined up. They pointed their guns at me. And this is the point where I thought, I'm going to die today. Started two years of horror for an American in Venezuela. They said, you need to give us your phone and get ready because you're coming with us. I'm Becky Bruce, and I spent a year researching and piecing together Josh and Tammy Holt's story about their ordeal in a notorious prison. That's when everything started to turn bad. We had another pound on the door. Boom, boom, boom. And there was the police once again. You can binge all of the episodes of Hope in Darkness on kslpodcasts.com or wherever you get your podcasts. Russell Marion Nelson was born September 9, 1924, in Salt Lake City, the second of four children. He described his family as close-knit and spoke fondly and specifically of them some 60 years later. Feelings of gratitude emerge as I acknowledge the goodness of my parents and of all eight of my pioneer great-grandparents who were converted to the church. Though they were close as a family, Russell's parents were not in his formative years especially close to the church. They encouraged their children to attend, and Russell was baptized into the church at the age of 16. By that time, he already knew he wanted to become a doctor. Acquaintances noted other attributes. Elder M. Russell Ballard, now a member of the Quorum of Twelve Apostles, was three years younger. He was outstanding as a leader at East High School. He was outstanding as a leader at the University of Utah. And I knew him in casually. We knew each other, but not like we know each other now. But as he uh, became uh, a leader of about everything he ever touched, our lives became intertwined one way or another. It was while he was in pre-med classes at the University of Utah that he was encouraged to help with the play at the school. He was hesitant at first until he heard the voice of Dancel White, whom he would eventually marry in 1945. He served for a time in the U.S. Naval Reserve and in 1947 received his medical degree from the University of Utah before seeking a Ph.D. from the University of Minnesota. As his education expanded, so did his family and his faith. Oftentimes he he will point out to us uh, anyone that would question whether there's a God and whether or not we are eternal in our nature and that we are part of uh, our Heavenly Father's family and we're on a, we're on a, we have great destiny. Anybody that would question that just doesn't understand the miracle of the human body. While in Minnesota, he was part of the team of physicians who built the heart-lung machine and in 1955 performed Utah's first open-heart surgery, making Utah only the third state in which the surgery was performed. In 1964, he was called as president of the Bonneville Stake. Elder Dallin H. Oaks of the Quorum of Twelve Apostles would later recall that he was given a blessing at the time that he would be able to meet his daunting demands. Eight years later, the man who had blessed him became his patient. Elder Spencer W. Kimball was scheduled for a complex heart operation. Presidents Harold B. Lee and N. Eldon Tanner blessed Dr. Nelson that the operation would be performed without error 
that all would go well and that he need not fear for his own inadequacies, for he had been raised up by the Lord to perform this operation. Elder Nelson would recall other times in which faith and physical healing were tied together. In 2003, he spoke about the faith of a stake patriarch who needed a heart valve repair that Elder Nelson had told him before was not possible. Finally, in desperation, he spoke to me with considerable emotion. Dr. Nelson, I have prayed for help and have been directed to you. The Lord will not reveal to me how to repair that second valve, but he can reveal it to you. Your mind is so prepared. If you will operate upon me, the Lord will make it known to you what to do. Please perform the operation that I need and pray for the help that you need. The operation was a success. The repair was completed as diagrammed in my mind. We tested the valve and found the leak to be reduced remarkably. My assistant said, It's a miracle. I responded, It's an answer to prayer. Dr. Nelson would travel the world as a teacher and trainer, introducing open-heart surgery to the Chinese and becoming proficient in the language as well. In 1984, Elder Nelson was called to the Quorum of the Twelve Apostles. I truly am humbled by this calling. Fortunately, these feelings are blanketed by feelings of faith, for I know the words of Nephi are true. I will go and do the things which the Lord hath commanded. Elder Gregory A. Schweitzer, now a member of the 70 and serving as the assistant executive director of the missionary department, was also a physician at the time. Those of us that were primarily focused on medicine felt happy for him. We knew that he was the right choice, but we felt a great loss. We wondered about the calling of an apostle versus what he was currently doing. He's clearly proven to us that he could do the higher calling. His last surgery was in 1985. He was asked to return to China to conduct a bypass on a beloved opera star. That same year, he and Elder Dallin H. Oaks found themselves in Eastern Europe, assigned to help open the doors to the church in those countries. Well, I had spent much of my professional life opening hearts to perform life-saving operations. <laughs> but I had no experience that would lead me to believe I could open countries for the preaching of the gospel. And yet, a prophet had given me an assignment. In 1991, he was there when Russia officially recognized the church. At the time, he spoke about the church's rapid growth there. I think that we do better as a church to build slowly and build from a position of strength. Because of our non-professional clergy, we need to teach and train those people who come into the church so that they can have their own responsibilities, so they can be retained and fellowshipped. Elder Nelson would later organize the first LDS stake in Armenia. During his more than 30 years as an apostle, he's traveled worldwide. From the pulpit, he has not shied from controversial topics, defending church policies, for example, on children of couples in same-sex marriages. Filled with compassion for all, and especially for the children, we wrestled at length to understand the Lord's will in this matter. 
ever mindful of God's plan of salvation and of his hope for eternal life for each of his children. President Nelson's life has not been without loss. In 1995, a daughter, Emily Whitwer, died of cancer. Ten years later, his wife, Dancil, died suddenly. Sitting on the sofa, holding hands, enjoying a program on television, my precious Dancil slipped peacefully into eternity. Katie Owens is one of President Nelson's granddaughters. I think watching him go through those hard times, he really did. I mean, of course he was sad, and of course there were hard things, um, but he really led with love. And because we watched him lead with love, we were able to follow in his wake. In 2006, he married Professor Wendy L. Watson. When my grandmother passed away, it was really hard to watch him without her. And, um, but the joy that Wendy brought into his life, I mean, we were all so thrilled and just adore her as well. Just to watch him just work through it and put one foot in front of the other was really remarkable. In 2015, he was set apart as the president of the Quorum of Twelve Apostles. Now he'll preside over the church and its 16 million members. And he's very decisive. And I tell people uh, it won't be hard for him to make decisions for the church because anyone that's had somebody's heart in their hand you don't have time to hold a council meeting to decide what to do. Owen says there are other attributes of President Nelson, including his great kindness and a sense of humor. He probably is funnier than you all know. I think every once in a while he'll, you'll get a little glimmer of that in, in some of his addresses. But he has a really great sense of humor. I love nothing more than to see when he drops a clever little gem and then he'll kind of sit up and have a little twinkle in his eye and kind of see if you caught it or not. In spite of his age, President Nelson has kept physically active, skiing on snow and until not long ago, even on water. It's probably been about, I don't know, a good decade since he, he water skied, but he used to take us all as the grandkids and aunts and uncles and we'd pile into the boat and he would, he would get up on two skis and drop a ski and, and slalom his way through. He just seems to like defy age. <laughs> I think he does feel like he's probably my age. I think, I, I mean, physically he's still active and doing all kinds of things. He's just taken such great care of himself and just loves to keep progressing. Honestly, I think that's part of it too, is he just is always, he's so driven. President Nelson has 10 children, 57 grandchildren, and more than 100 great-grandchildren. Mark Duke, KSL News Radio.